Hey everybody, Zach here. Welcome to the show. Before we dive into this week's episode, just want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Element 451 for making today's conversation possible. I've been talking with several several of you um, about their new product packs and just want to reiterate how much of a game changer I think that this is for the higher ed CRM space. So you know that moment after you've finally gone through the whole RFP process, you've done, you know, training and onboarding with a CRM vendor that you selected, and then, you know, you're in the CRM and you realize, oh my gosh, there's just so much work to do to get up and running, right? Like, we've got to build out our conflows, we've got to build out our landing pages, etc. Well, with packs by Element 451, this headache goes away because what packs is, is it's essentially pre-packaged content, right? Pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your enrollment management team or your marketing team or your IT team weeks to do. No code needed, no writers, you know, no wasted time. Each pack is designed with a very specific goal in mind. So for example, you could install the senior search pack and in minutes, you'll have five personalized emails that are totally branded to your school, your audience segments, um, and a whole marketing automation workflow that will make the campaign run effortlessly. So in a fraction of the time that it usually takes, you'll be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals. We all know that uh, time is everything, especially these days. So what's super cool about Element 451 is that they're, you know, they're finally a higher ed CRM that actually comes with content, guys. Like, this is game changing. Uh, anyways, learn more at element451.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's element451.com forward slash enrollify. And if you'd like a personal introduction to the team there, um, I, I know artists um, and they are uh, just a fantastic group of people and I'd be wel- I'd, I'd welcome any opportunity I can to introduce you or your team to their customer success team. So feel free to reach out to me directly at Zach, Z-A-C-H at enrollify.org if you'd like me to make that introduction or even give you a sneak peek behind the scenes look at how the product works. All right, everyone, thanks so much for your time and thank you Element for making today's conversation possible. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Boozy Cruz and I am your host for today's episode. And today I have the great privilege of speaking with Vanessa Didick, who is the CEO of Zimi. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thanks for having me, Zach. So Vanessa, I would love for you to just start by giving us sort of a, a the elevator pitch for, for Zimi. What exactly is Zimi? How does it work for folks who might not be familiar with the app? Sure. Uh, so Zimi is a social network for prospective and current college students. You can think of it that way. We connect college students to each other, to the institutions that they're pursuing and attending. From the college's side, we help to improve conversion through their recruitment funnel, and we improve retention and persistence after students matriculate. So students in Zimi come in. It's totally free to students to use. They come in, they connect with each other. They watch videos from other, you know, current students on campus, get a feel for the campus if they're a prospective student, get a sense uh, from the other students who are applying, you know, if this is a good fit for them, if these are their people, and then kind of move through the, the recruitment funnel that way. And then the current students on campus can find study buddies and 
uh, mentors. They can find activities and clubs to participate in. They can buy and sell things. It's just sort of um, all of the things that you need when you're when you're on campus to stay connected to the institution. That's really interesting. I so I knew I had always kind of heard that it was more of a uh, an app specifically focused on prospective students, and um, you, you guys do awesome work with like yield campaigns and whatnot. I didn't realize that uh, you you guys are also trying to position the app as uh, as a resource for students once they once they get to campus. So that's really interesting. wasn't wasn't yeah, aware that- of that. That's actually newer, uh, very, very new, um, released in, in this last kind of month or two because sort of because of COVID and sort of because our recruitment product is so successful. Yeah. So we have like 75% of our partners entering freshmen in the Zimi app when they land on campus. And wow. so it's always been, always been on our roadmap to, to su- continue to support those students because it's not really fair that they're getting all of this this great support, building these relationships in Zimi, and then all of a sudden school starts, and it's like, well, no, nothing else yeah, relevant. <laughs> so, so it's kind of always been on on our radar, and we've been slowly releasing features for them. And then this year is the first year that we're actually working with those student affairs offices to to get the data that we need to better support those students. So to you know find out what their classes are so that they're offering, that the school's offering, to make it easier for students to find those study buddies and, and just kind of facilitate some some of those uh, relationship building things that we do. Fantastic. Now that that makes a ton of sense and um, seems especially pertinent given given the reality that we're all living through right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, could you just give us a, a sort of Cliff's Notes overview of your your career to date? How did you end up as CEO at Zimi? You know, what's what's your story? Sure. Yeah, I'm not an original founder at Zimi. Uh, I joined the team in October of 2018, but I do have a long background, uh, 16 plus years in education, running education and uh, technology companies. So. I went to UC Berkeley after school. I uh, started, I got a certificate in college and career counseling, started an, a company that was like a full service academic support company. We did uh, in-person and remote kind of in the very early days of, of remote tutoring and advising. We did a lot of that. We worked with Fortune 500 companies to run big courses for them. It, was, it turned into a pretty big company that got acquired about nine years after I started it. And then uh, after that, I ran a globally scaled uh, tutoring business that was all remote. So it hmm. was like Uber. It was like the the Uber for everything age. You know, wow. everybody wanted to have like the app that did the on demand. You know, match you in in a couple seconds kind of business. Sure. So that's what we was was a a business that had tutors and students all over the world, and you could push a button and match with a tutor, drop into a shared whiteboard space. And get tutoring just basically at the, the push of a button. And so I ran that business for about four year, years, scaled that up, and then left to do some traveling with my family. And at the time, I had one son, and we traveled. And then Zimi, I met the Zimi team, and it just seemed like a really perfect fit with my background in you know admissions, supporting students kind of throughout the academic journey, and, uh, and tech. So it kind of was a, a really good fit for me, and I'm really passionate about what we do. 
Do you remember what specifically, like I'm sure, right, someone with your, your background and your experience and, um, you know, sort of straddling the, the ed, the education space with, uh, you know, coupled with the tech space. Um, what was it specifically about Zimi that you were like, this is, this is my next step. Like, this is my next gig. Was it, uh, was it a culture thing? Was it, was it mostly a product, uh, uh, thing? Like what, what was sort of the, the most, uh, I guess the, your biggest why for, for, for landing there? Yeah, so I, I believe in it. Um, mm. I think there's that. So the, the culture is amazing. I love, passionately love my team um, and knew immediately that these were were people that I wanted to kind of, um, you know, it's a startup, so jump into the trenches with. And and so that, that was right away was clear. But what we do, I'm really passionate about. And having been in ed tech and in sort of the admissions side of things for so many years, I, I knew how valuable it was to students and to schools. And so it just immediately made sense to me that this is, this is something where I felt like I could really make, make a difference. And we've, we've grown a lot since, since I joined and uh, the product has evolved a lot. And I just saw like a straight line to what it could be and, and saw exactly how to, to get us there. And I feel like when you have that kind of conviction um, and you believe in something so much, like it just, it just works. Like it mm. just does the things that we want it to do. And, and I don't have to, you know, it's not smoke and mirrors. We don't have to paint like a pretty version and try to sell this thing and say, pretend it works. Like this just works. It works yeah. for both sides. It solves, it solves real problems for, for both sides of the desk, which, which I, I believe in. It sounds like a great place to be. Um, yeah. uh, so I actually, so I discovered Zimi uh, after seeing a post that Adam Metcalf, who was uh, one of the co-founders of Zimi, uh, shared, read his post, kind of uh, stalked him, stalked Zimi a little <laughs> bit, and then reached out to him and connected with him. And, um, and you know, that's one of the reasons that that really is the reason why we're talking today. But one of the things during sort of my initial research around the company, um, and around sort of uh, uh, the origins of the company, what I found I stumbled upon this, this interview that, uh, uh, that featured this quote that Adam said, um, around, you know, uh, Zimi was built in part to help put quote, unquote, stories over scores and help eradicate biases in the process. And so, and that, that really, you know, stood out to me. And so I'm curious if you could just share a little bit about, you know, I know that you weren't a founder, but uh, what, what was sort of the origin story of Zimi and uh, what specific gap was in, in sort of the admissions process was Zimi at least initially created to fill? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great origin story. So Adam, uh, who's still with, with Zimi today, was a high school teacher and he was really frustrated watching his students as they applied. And it was in sort of a rural area, watching those students apply to college and, and felt that there's so much more. You know, he knew these students really well and, and there's just so much more to them than was being relayed in this sort of two-dimensional application that was all about scores and filling out, you know, 150 characters on an activity list. And, and they, these, these kids were just so much more dynamic and interesting and had you know, backgrounds that, that should be shared, the context of their lives should be shared. Hmm. And so he and his best friend, Juan, they were um, college roommates. They decided to start a company that would help students to tell their stories. And so students, and we still actually have this, this product, we call it Zimi Story, uh, still have this today and still support this today. It's students can come in, they can create profiles, and it's basically like a portfolio. It's like 
think of LinkedIn like your your LinkedIn page, but but for Gen Z and yeah. in everything that Gen Z and an admissions office would actually want. So it's it's videos, like real authentic videos of the students, not super polished by you know that independent consultant or something like that. This is like real stuff. They answer questions that that we put in there, and they can also share photos, other videos, like a video of them playing the violin instead of just saying they play the violin or a slam poet can, instead of just saying I'm a slam poet, they can show their, their poetry and their craft. Um, we had somebody who is a, like a champion, um, yo-yo, uh, competitor. I don't even know what you should call that. Um, which does, again, doesn't translate as well when I say it, but you should see this guy. It's amazing. And so those, those portfolios, you can actually share the link just like you would share your LinkedIn. Uh, profile and and they can share those as part of the application and so there's like 200 colleges that explicitly mention or ask for this kind of a portfolio it's never been more relevant um, than it is you know today schools are desperate to get to know these students and so it's it's really leveled the playing field for for students and made made it possible for all applicants to kind of share all of of who they are and that thread is consistent with who we are um, the additional products that we've added today. We are all about you know, leveling the playing field, increasing access to, to college, making it easier for students who maybe can't visit a school to get to know that school, get to know what life on campus is really like, and get to kind of virtually shake hands with an admissions officer, which even in a pre-COVID world is really important for, you know, there's lots of students for whom visits and traveling and all of that stuff is just not possible. Yeah. And, and we make that possible in, in Zeeming. I love that. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Just a quick kind of follow up technical question. So, it, yeah. as a as a user, right, like as a prospective student, if I'm going to uh, start my college application, is there like when you guys work with university partners, is there sort of like a a, a form field or like a do I like share my Zimi uh, profile as a part of the application? Is it like supplemental materials? Like how, how do you guys yeah. ensure that colleges are, are reviewing and are actually seeing the, the profiles of prospective students? Sure. So there's, there's many schools that explicitly ask for it in their application. And they'll Got just it. say, now, now share your Zimi link. Or they'll say, if you have a portfolio or a profile you'd like to share, put it here. And then there's many others that will just accept it in that sort of supplemental additional, is there anything else you want to tell us about you section? And we have a lot of students put it there too, because most schools, even the schools that don't explicitly ask for it, if provided this information, they will absolutely review it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's some state schools and stuff that don't have the, the capabilities to really do that and, and the staff to support that, but the vast majority of schools do. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay, cool. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I was curious if I was curious, like yeah. how you guys help ensure that your college university partners are, are, you know, taking these, uh, these applications, these uh, augmented applications, uh, seriously. And so that's, that's super helpful context. Yeah. So big question for you. Uh, we're living through an obviously unprecedented moment in, in college admissions. Uh, for many folks, travel has been suspended, uh, at least through this fall. Many colleges and universities have also suspended travel uh, throughout 2021. College fairs have been moved online. High schools you know, around the country are planning on everything from you know resuming full-time in-person learning to full distance learning and, and you know everything in between so 
how do you, as somebody who is uh, in the ed tech space, has been in the space for a while, has a passion for education, understands the admissions world, how do you how do you make sense of all of this? And like, what specific aspects of the admissions process do you think that we'll need to you know rethink? They'll need to be rethought in order to ensure. Uh, an equitable recruitment cycle, because I think, you know, one of the elephants in the room here is that depending on what learning experience you get as a high schooler this fall, that could have a huge bearing on um, your, your, your test scores. It could have a huge bearing on what schools you end up getting into uh, this fall and beyond. So uh, how do you, how how does Vanessa make sense of all of this? (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, equitable is, is um, an interesting word there. I think there's actually a lot of opportunities to make the process more equitable right now. And I think, you know, this is an area that hasn't really been the actual um, admissions review process hasn't really been disrupted uh, Mm. for, for all time. I mean, it really hasn't. And so, so I think this is an interesting opportunity. I think actually it's a chance for, everything to be more equitable because there's a lot of colleges that are going test optional because, you know, who knows when students are going to be able to take these tests again and how and how they're going to be able to prepare. And we all know that there's lots of students who get a lot of help to prepare for those exams. So if now we're going test optional, that we're, we're starting to weigh different parts of the application. If schools are starting to understand that, you know, maybe not everybody's going to be able to visit. I was just talking to a school yesterday that's that's open for business. You know, they're in Montana. They they're able to accept student visitors, but nobody's visiting because yeah. the majority of their students actually come from Washington and Oregon, and those families are not hopping on planes. And so, where once upon a time students would get a little bit more credit for visiting a campus through the process, right? That demonstrated interest. Now, these schools are going to need to find other ways to, to connect with these students virtually. And, and all students have an equal opportunity to connect now. And so I think that, that we are going to see that it's going to be uh, more equitable. I think the other thing is there's an opportunity to rethink budget dollars and mm. you know, to really consider ROI in, in spend. And because the, the process hasn't really been disrupted, it's scary to be the VP who really goes out on a limb and says, I'm cutting our whole travel budget and I'm going to put it here. You know, nobody's ever been able to do that before, but now, now they all can say, okay, there's this huge unspent, you know, travel and event budget. Where should we put that? And we should really look at the whole budget and think about ROI. And I think one of the things that they can think about is instead of these individual touch points, these individual opportunities to meet and shake hands with students. So whether that's on the student's high school campus or a student visiting the college campus, now with all of these virtual tools, you know, whether that's ZME or any of these other tools, schools actually have an opportunity to connect with students on a daily basis. Hmm. And so now you don't have these individual singular touch points that you built, you know, factor into your very expensive model of conversion. Now you have these daily touch points and daily feedback on how students are engaging. And that's what we do in Zimi. You get, you get a daily sense of how a student is converting. And, and those, those prediction models are actually going to become a lot more, could be a lot more robust. You know? So I, I think that there's an opportunity here for sure. 
And I mean, you know, I think uh, an obvious sort of like follow-up question then is like how, uh, what what sort of change do you think enrollment management teams are are going to have to make to, to adapt? Because in, in one sense, right, it's like, yes, you'll be able to have virtual information sessions or, or virtual admissions events and whatnot, and potentially reach more people than you would, than you would in an in-person event. But at the same time, I would imagine that uh, if indivi- every individual student, because there isn't kind of that face-to-face kind of touch point, right? It's not like a, an open Q and A in um, in a you know in a typical kind of in-person uh, recruitment event. How how do how do teams like scale appropriately so that they can ensure that they're still delivering uh, a successful prospective student experience, but uh, but at the same time not drowning? Like I, I, part mm-hmm. of me thinks that this. This uh, one of the biggest challenges of the of this fall is just going to be that there's going to be, there there has to be more individualized attention down to each individual prospective student, and I don't know how enrollment management teams are going to be able to accommodate that. Like, what sort of scale is going to be required to ensure that these teams are empowered to deliver a really successful uh, prospective student experience without sort of you know, all of the traditional touch points that we're used to? Yeah, it's a a great question. So I think, I think teams in what we saw in the spring was that, that everybody just said, here's all the stuff that we used to do. Let's just find a way to do the exact same thing virtually. And I think that was the wrong approach, right? So to, as much as, you know, the president is really proud of that, that fireside chat that students can attend and parents can attend in an on-campus event, um, the, the kids aren't that excited about it. And yeah. it doesn't really mean that much to the parents, right? So recreating that and doing a lot of like chats with, with uh, administrators and some of the folks who nobody really wants to hear from is, is not that helpful. It's kind of scaling it back down actually is what we found to be really helpful. So Mm. we have our teams running live Q and A's just weekly. And so they just, you know, for an hour, they drop in to, to a chat, they're available through video, through text. And then what we have found is that the student engagement is way higher because the students have way more questions right now than in a traditional year. This is relevant always but it's particularly important right now for teams to, to seem available to students. And so these are like easy to run, you know, these admissions counselors, maybe one or two of them are in there. They're sitting on their couch, probably in their PJs, you know, with like school colors on top (laughs) and they're answering questions and it's, and it's super lightweight, but it really made the students feel supported. You know, we're, we're running big open houses in this really cool um, immersive space that that we built out, where you can you can kind of move around the space and and connect with like actually talk to people from campus and get information. So I, my my point here is just that I think it's time to to kind of wipe away what we used to do and say, well, what can we do? What's the opportunity? What else is out there? We've been running speed friending events. We've been running these really fun social events for students. And I think the message that that, that conveys to students is we're here for you. We're, you know, we, we care about you. Uh, we're running trivia nights for students and schools. We're, we're doing fun things in addition to those like information transfer, you know, sessions where it's like, let's chat with financial aid and, 
you know, all the, the actual information transfer. So I think that there are tools out there. Um, Zimi is just one. It, we make it really easy for an individual counselor to message, you know, 14,000 students and have it feel very personal uh, and then be there to kind of answer those questions on a, on a more regular basis. I think the other thing is to lean on where, where a lot of offices um, have a sort of a missed opportunity is it, there's a chance to lean on the other prospective students, not just your current students. Mm. But, so we do that too, you know, lean on your ambassadors, get them in there, get them talking to students. But there's a lot of really uh, magical things that happen when those prospective students meet each other and, and get to know each other and start to form relationships. And then they are the ones who are supporting each other kind of through that, that recruitment funnel and kind of pulling each other through. And that's what we see in Zimi. You know, in, in the fall, they're asking each other questions about the application and they're saying, you know, did you get confirmation that your letters of recs were received? Or I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to write this essay. And the other ones are saying, you can do it. You know, we want to go to school with you next fall. So, so what do you need from us to help you do this? And then in the spring, the admitted students are all starting to find each other and they can search for each other in Zimi. And they, they start, we see the direct message numbers just like spike up because these, these students are desperate to get to know each other. And so I think teams can really rely on and lean on students to really make some of that magic happen too. I think that's great advice. And, you know, one of the things we, we talked about uh, on a couple episodes ago was just the power of, um, especially with Gen Z, right, the power of peer-to-peer influence. And so, yeah. you know, the, the schools that can think critically about how to best leverage other prospective students, how to best leverage their their existing students um, are going to save themselves a lot of time and probably at the end of the day, generate better results. So um, for sure, love that. Yeah. Speak. I want to go back quickly to a point you made a little uh, while ago about budget. Uh, you, you, you had um, uh, mentioned that now is sort of a, an interesting opportunity to think, okay, we would have spent all this money on travel in this fall travel's not an option right now. How do we, how do we think differently about how to spend this cash? Do you have like any, you know, putting you on the spot here, but any specific ideas of how folks could strategically reallocate that budget? Now I know it'll vary pretty dramatically depending on, uh, an individual's context, but any sort of like general categories of, of spend that you think folks should double down on and, or new areas people should consider, uh, spending resources in, in order to generate the greatest ROI, the greatest impact, uh, you know, this fall and beyond. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think of if I were running the teams, I mean, I'd be thinking about it probably in like three categories, right? Like how am I going to get information out there? There's information that students need. They need the information about just what does it take to apply or, you know, what, what, what are the offerings at the school? They need the information about what's happening at the school in a COVID world and, and regular updates and regular communication about that. So there's information transfer and that can be done a number of ways. I would think about brand and, and brand in the sense of, of culture and making sure that that's communicated. And I think that that's something, you know, how are the prospective students getting a sense of what life on campus is really like? So in Zimi, we do that with current students taking these like 60 second videos, selfie style videos of, you know, walk with me to the dining hall or look at what I'm eating or look at what I'm studying or meet my roommate or any of those things in this COVID world. It's really like, you know, look at my day of studying or here. It's really still day in the life type stuff because what 
prospective students really want to know as much as a college thinks it's like how green is the grass and how red is the brick of the buildings. What, what these prospects really want to know is like, what's the vibe of the campus? What are the people, right? Like the culture is the people. And so I would really want to invest in things that, that are communicating our campus culture and communicating who we are as a populace, right? Like who are our people so that, so that these students can figure out where they, they best fit in. And then similarly, I think as kind of to what I was saying before relationships, how do you foster relationships and, you know, what are the, what are going to be the signals that students are forming relationships? Because what we know is that one of the biggest motivators and that has the biggest impact and what we see in Zimi is that when students are forming friendships throughout the application process, they are pulling each other through that funnel. They yield at higher rates and they melt at lower rates. And that this makes sense, right? Like sure, if, if sure. I've made 15 really good friends, how do I then tell them in August, oh, wait, I decided to go somewhere else? Like that we're already getting excited about, about our first dinner, you know, once we all land on campus. So like that makes sense. I think that paying attention if there's a way to measure those friendships. And so it's one of the things that we actually measure for for our partners is literally how many friends has a student made in your community? Because it actually is one of those secret uh, sneaky metrics that that's a really high predictor of yield. Um, and so I think I'd be paying attention to those things. So what do I have to get the right information to students? What have I invested in to do those Q&As to you know, make sure that they're getting the material that they need? And then am I really finding ways in a, in a not just on social broadly, because that's a really crowded space and it's super noisy. So like just having, doing a couple Instagram takeovers isn't going to do it. <laughs> so am I, am I getting, you know, really communicating to students who our people are and, and what our culture is like? And then am I providing a way for students to form relationships with one another and get to know each other? I think that's where I would put my energy because all of that can be done virtually really successfully. Fantastic. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I love what you said just uh, at the end there about social being this really noisy space. And I think that for enrollment marketers, it's still, uh, it's still tempting to just want to double down on some sort of, you know, paid social or, or even in, t- in some cases paid search campaign and not do it really well and throw a bunch of money at it and then be disappointed when the results are lackluster. And yeah. I love the idea of just, you know, I, I, for one, think that spending in these areas is, is important, but it just needs to be strategic and done well. But I like what you were saying about just really taking a step back and evaluating, okay, what at the end of the day are we actually trying to do here? And how effectively are we going to do it before you think about what you want to spend and, and where you want to spend it? And I think a temptation too is to be so tactic driven, like, hey, let's do, you know, we're, we're going to do an Instagram takeover once a month for the next two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, okay, well, uh, is that actually the best allocation of your time, energy, and resources? How are you going to measure the impact and the and the ROI yeah. of that effort? And so this, I think that this fall to, to kind of piggyback on what everything that you're saying here is going to be this like really interesting indicator for, um, for ROI in recruitment efforts. Like what are the actual, like what are the, the, the winner, like what's actually going to move the needle when it comes to enrollment and do we need to be spending all this time, money, and and effort on these in-person events like we have in years past, or is that money actually spent better and is is yield better in in different areas? So it'll be a, a fascinating uh, uh, kind of test to see where we all end up uh, a year from now. 
Yeah, well, and and I think I think teams should should demand data from yeah, all of yeah. the the partner. You know, I mean, that's how you measure ROI. And so we're a, we're a data oriented company. We deliver a ton of data back to our partners, but that's how you make smarter decisions. So an Instagram takeover is great, but it's hard to measure. Like, okay, what what did that do? You yeah, know, can we, yeah. can we? Is there again a straight line to say this had this impact? And so I think that that there's a a opportunity again for teams to be very data driven and to make smart decisions with data but to sort of demand that from all of their vendors and partners as well yeah and and, you know uh, i love what you said about uh sneaky metrics too right in in the kind of like the relationships that get formed in in zini are there i'm just curious uh are, are any other sort of like sneaky metrics that come to mind that you think hey people really should be paying attention to these things yeah and and they're not yeah, so we we have another one that's that's really interesting because we do um, just built out this prediction, our own you know prediction model, and there's a lot that goes into it. But one of the pieces is we when we launch a community for a partner, so we we send out all these invites. There's this massive flood of students that come in. They start engaging with each other. It just like lights up. It's just fire in a in a night. It's really neat to see. But one thing that's really important for the partners to pay attention, the colleges to pay attention to which students, you know, joined within a couple hours. Yeah. Those are some hot prospects. Yeah. So, you know, we're launching communities for these rising seniors for our, our schools right now. We just launched one uh, for Pepperdine. They had overnight, they they had over a thousand students join this community. And and these are all right rising seniors. So wow. many of them inquiries and you know they're it's a way to kind of nurture it. But it's very important for them to know who those thousand are. Right. Yeah, it yeah. really helps you to make smart, smart communication and smart decisions. And and that's so early in the funnel. And we will see that those students likely will yield at a higher rate, you know, throughout if you if you treat them right. And if you, you know, do the right kind of do right by them. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So much gold there. Um, couple, yeah. couple final questions for you that are a little bit more Zimi specific. Um, sure. I'm curious about sort of, you know, how you all see, you've, and you've done a really great job of touching on this already, but like anything else you want to add just with respect to how you think Zimi can be a, a solution to folks at, you know, at a solution to at least some of the chaos um, that it, that is inevitably going to unfold uh, throughout this next year. Uh, how do you how do you see Zemi as sort of being an asset, being being a solution to to some of the problems um, that I'll I'll just say some of the challenges that folks will encounter over the next twelve months? Sure. Yeah. I we've we've kind of always been solving these these problems, and we've we've been out there trying to say you all need a virtual solution, you know, for, for yeah. a long time. And I think it's finally not finally people are are realizing the power of that, and and that if you can engage with students, get in front of them, get your messaging in front of them on again a daily basis. Students in Zimi are logging in thirty three times a month, so wow. there is really high engagement. Um, but it's a more focused space. So we say that we're, we're social with a purpose, right? Where you could just lose like hours of time in Instagram yeah. and there's just so much in there. 
in Zimi, your students are in there because they want to think about college and they want to engage with colleges and they want to learn more from those student ambassadors and they they want to engage with their peers and say, why are you applying, you know, to Colorado College again? Like, let me know. Uh, and so that there's something really powerful that that happens there. I think I think we're solving a number of of problems. Um, we're we're helping to to insert those colleges in the conversations that are already happening and are happening elsewhere. Now the colleges are sort of able to help facilitate those conversations, and I think that's really important. They're able to select those ambassadors who are creating really authentic content for students and that authentic content. I mean, Gen Z is, is like allergic to anything that feels too um, polished or feels like an advertisement or feel, you know, any of that stuff that, that just feels like, like marketing, right? They don't want that. Uh, They want to know what a day in the life really is like, and they want to really engage with each other. So I think we're solving all of those problems. We're doing these virtual events. We're helping to build a space that feels authentic and making it possible for the colleges to earn students' trust. And I think right now, more than ever, it's really important for students to trust schools um, because there's a lot of information going out around. It's very scary. And our partners have done a really great job, you know, from through the spring and now heading into fall of, of making that kind of safe space to answer questions and be available and, and do all the things that they need to do and allow the students to feel supported. So I feel like we're, we're sort of an obvious solution always have been, but it now is, is it, we're just more relevant than ever. Sure. Sure. No, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, uh, and my final question for you is just, uh, you know, what is Vanessa's favorite aspect of the Zimi product or, 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 or favorite feature of the product? Like what, when you think about where Zimi's at today, uh, what are you like most excited about? What are you what are you most proud to tell prospective partners about? Oh, that's really good. So, I, I really like our friend finder. Um, it's this really cool tool where you can search for the other students who are applying. You can filter by interests, by major, all of those things, and then direct message the the students who who you matched with. But I think. As, as simple as it sounds, the, the chat is really amazing. Mm. I mean, I get to see, like, our, we've got a partner, Augsburg, and there's been a lot of, uh, lot of discussion in the Augsburg chats around Black Lives Matter and around, and it's just been this really interesting space for students to connect and to, to get to know each other. And I find the chats incredibly uplifting and and you see the students kind of share why they're so interested in a particular school or they talk about the topics at the time. And, and so the conversations, it's just such a, I think my favorite thing about it is how authentic everything in Zimi is. Yeah. It's, you know, the schools are, are putting their real self forward. They're asking the students to do the same and everybody kind of trusts each other in the, in the process and schools are getting great leads out of it and students are getting great, great feedback and information so they can make the right decisions. And so it really is one of those platforms that kind of works for everyone. And we continue to build features that, that support that. So we have tools for virtual events to help students find each other and get to know each other and get to know the institution. We've got this friend finder. Like, I just like that it all kind of revolves around this, this um, higher sort of ideal of connecting people in an authentic way. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for for all of that, for your time. Really appreciate you uh, carving out some space in your very busy schedule to to chat with me today. Um, if folks want to learn more about you, want to connect with you or, your, or or the team over at Zimi, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, I love connecting with everyone. So I'll just give out my email, which is just Vanessa at Zimi.com and it's C-E-E-M-E-E.com. You can also just go to our website, Zimi.com and connect with us there as well. Fantastic. Thanks again for your time, Vanessa, and hope to chat with you again sometime soon. Thanks so much. Fun conversation. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.